0: that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Watching the BBC breakfast show one morning while I was in Wales, the host and hostess of the show interviewed a well-known British actor and actress. The actress was a young woman who had played the leading role in the most recent James Bond film called Skyfall and is now wrapping up a new film on the life of Nelson Mandela, where she plays the role of Winnie Mandela, his wife. It was a fascinating interview. I enjoyed listening to this very accomplished and professional actress talking about her roles and, in particular, this most recent one listening to her describe how she had researched the life of Mrs. Mandela and how, as she described it, she had to adapt herself into taking on the personality of this famous woman and portraying the complex issues of his life accurately for the movie. It was a real challenge, she said. The other segment was an interview with a British actor that was playing the leading role in a new production of Shakespeare's Macbeth due to be released to the cinemas in Britain at the end of the month. In this second interview, when describing the set that was being used to film the tragedy, the actor used the term that flagged me. Apparently, they were using what the actor called a decommissioned church as a centerpiece for the set. I wondered just what was a decommissioned church. Looking into the concept a little more, I discovered the disappointing truth that there are many churches in the UK, buildings that is, where the congregations have diminished and attendance has degraded so severely that the church building has become too expensive for the authorities to maintain. It became cheaper to sell the building than to keep it as a church for worship. So they decommissioned this church, took it out of service, spreading and distributing what few parishioners were still there to other nearby churches and parishes. What a shame. The church, of course, is not a building, as you know. It is made up of all born-again believers. But the sadness is still the realization that this church building and all other similar decommissioned church buildings have been closed, decommissioned, because attendance has fallen off so dramatically. Of course, some people have just moved to new houses or new jobs from the area which they once lived and therefore worshipped there. Others may have decided just to go to a different church, or even a different denomination for that matter, to worship for whatever reason. The bottom line still shouts out to us that churches are closing, or in the word of the actor I mentioned, they are being decommissioned. In his case in point, it was a good thing, I guess, depending on how you look at it. The movie set was able to use the Dick Mission Church as a fabulous, authentic, and original location for their movie without worrying about having to pack everything up for weekend services. That would have been expensive. He didn't say what was going to happen to that church when the filming was over. I suppose it was on the market and would be sold at some point. I have seen a number of former church buildings being used as art stores, restaurants, and other things all over the UK. What came to my mind is that this statement by the actor during the TV interview was a sad indictment of the state of Christianity in the UK. No matter how you slice it, people in the UK do not attend church like they used to in the past, something they need to do. God is still alive. There is still a future destiny that we must all face one day religion, God, belief in a deity, however you say it, people need the Lord. And we need more people to want to worship God in our cities, including those in the UK. And maybe we'll be able to decommission the decommissioned churches back into value again. And now with this message for today, here's Pastor Alan Lee.
1: Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy to be able to study the word of God together once again with you. And today we begin a short series of biblical studies on the mysteries of the Bible. And we want to begin with the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. First, let's define the term mystery as used in scripture. A mystery is a truth previously unrevealed by God, but now revealed at his discretion as to time, place, And means. It is a truth hidden in the Old Testament, but revealed in the New. The Apostle Paul defines a mystery in Colossians 1, verse 26, with reference to one of the twelve mysteries to be found in the New Testaments. He says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Of now we will be looking at this particular mystery at a later time. But for today, we direct our attention to Matthew chapter 13 and the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. And we are doing so because of the emphasis that is placed on the kingdom of in today's world, we believe it is necessary for us to look at it from a biblical perspective. Now, it's important for us to look at the context or the background of Matthew chapter 13 if we are to understand what Jesus is teaching here. The Jews were expecting the Messiah to deliver them politically from their oppressors and establish his kingdom or rulership on earth. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah King, but Jesus did not see their political aspirations being addressed in his life and ministry, and so they rejected him. One of the most momentous and history-changing and history-making events ever to happen on this earth happened at that time. And so Matthew is explaining to the questioning Jewish nation The true nature of God's kingdom as it related to Jesus and the then present time. Again, my friends, I want to emphasize, if there was ever a paradigm shift in history, it was then when the Jewish nation rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah King and his kingdom was not able to be established when he came to establish it the first time. And so Jesus' main emphasis is to reveal that the anticipated kingdom was to be delayed or postponed for an even longer period. And a new form of the kingdom, which was not anticipated in the Old Testament, would come into existence during the interim period. Dr. Dwight Pentecost describes this in this way, The mystery was the fact that when the one in whom this program would be realized was publicly presented, he would be rejected, and an age would fall between his rejection and the fulfillment of God's purpose of sovereignty at his second advent. The mystery form of the kingdom, then, has reference to the age between the two advents of Christ. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven describe the conditions that prevail on the earth in that interim period while the king is absent. These mysteries thus relate to this present age, to the eternal purpose of God in regard to his kingdom on earth. The mystery form of the kingdom has reference to the things that were hitherto unrevealed. It is definitely limited as to time, and it represents the entire sphere of profession in this present age. Now, we need to realize also that both new and old truths or revelation are taught by the parables of Jesus in Matthew 13. And perhaps the key verse is verse 52. This is what it says, Jesus said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Now, based on this being a key to this chapter, the following divisions of the parables may be made. First, the owner of the storeroom is Jesus Christ, the King. The storeroom itself is the Word of God. Thirdly, the new treasures are revealed in the first four parables of the chapter. First, we have the parable of the seed and the soils. This parable describes the proclamation of the kingdom. Then we have the parable of the wheat and the tares. This describes the false imitation that take place in the kingdom. The third parable, the mustard tree, Describes the wide visible extension of the kingdom. The fourth parable, that of the leaven in the meal, describes the invisible inner extension of the kingdom. These four parables present the new truths that Jesus is teaching concerning this mystery kingdom. The old treasures are described in the final three parables. The parable of the treasure represents the subjects of the true kingdom. Verse 44. The parable of the pearl represents the voluntary sacrificial death of Jesus Christ for his subjects. Verses 45 and 46. And the final parable, the seventh, that of the dragnet, describes the judgment of the nations at the end of the tribulation period. That parable is found in verses 47 through 50 of Matthew 13. Now, I want you to note here there was no mystery in the Old Testament that God would establish an earthly kingdom. In fact, this was the subject of numerous prophecies. However, it was a mystery, something hidden, that there would be a period of time between the presentation of the king and Israel's acceptance of him as such, so that the kingdom could be established. The Old Testament predicted the rejection of the Messiah King, but it did not predict the postponement of that kingdom. This interim period, brought about by this rejection, includes the church age and the tribulation, and ends with the return of Jesus Christ, and Israel's official acceptance of his king. It is at that time that he will usher in the millennium, God's kingdom on earth. And it is important to note that this has special and specific reference to the Jewish people, not the church of Jesus Christ. But now, when we get into verses 10 through 17 of Matthew chapter 13, we have Jesus explaining his reasons for speaking in parables. And he says there are three reasons. It's to reveal new truth to believers. It is to hide new truth from those who do not believe. And it is to fulfill prophecy. Listen to his words, the words of the king himself. At this time, it was the words of the rejected king by Israel. Verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. This has to do now in the context, by the way, with the truth of the kingdom. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now down to verse 34, and also verse 35 of Matthew 13. Quote, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd, In parables, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. End of quote. Parables then were spoken by Jesus to reveal truth to believers, conceal that same truth from unbelievers, and to fulfill prophecy. And in Matthew chapter 13, these parables are all related to the mystery of the interim period between his first and second coming to set up his kingdom on earth. You see, my friend, a second coming was necessitated because of his rejection as king by Israel at his first coming. Again, I emphasize, it is important to note that Jesus' earthly kingdom has to do primarily, if not exclusively, with the Jewish nation. This kingdom will be brought into being when Jesus Christ literally sits on the throne of David in the literal city of Jerusalem. My friends, there is much confusion being taught about the kingdom of God today, or I should say there is much error that results in confusion that is being taught about the kingdom today. True, specifically meant for Israel, are being applied to the church and vice versa, resulting in much erroneous teaching and biblical and theological destabilization of the people of God and utter confusion on the part of the unsaved. Now, my friends, Jesus knew this would happen. He warns about false teachers, he warns about confusions. That's why he specifically teaches about the mystery aspect of the kingdom promised to Israel. We must give heed to Jesus' teachings and to his warnings if we are to remain stable and assured in our faith. Or in the words of the apostle Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter two verse two, shaken or disturbed from our composure relative to our faith. That's what Paul says. In this chapter in Second Thessalonians 2, false teachings, erroneous teachings concerning these days in which we live, the end days, could result in the destabilization of the believer's faith, their composure, their emotional stability as Christians could be upset. And he's making the point, as did Jesus, that it is only the accurate teaching of the Word of God that can stabilize one's faith and give us that emotional stability that we need as believers. This is the end purpose of this series of messages, my friends, to provide stability to your faith through an accurate understanding and application of biblical truth, especially as it relates to the kingdom of God on earth. And so next time, we will look at the meaning of the parables in Matthew 13 and their significance to the mystery of the interim kingdom of God. Until then, this is Pastor Lee saying, "Sila, think and act on these things.
2: unworthy yet how happy we will be when the Savior comes from heaven when His
0: blessed face we see You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the Sanctuary located on Collins Avenue we extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as Echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, Keep listening for that shout. Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There forevermore to stay. Hold oh, the fort a little longer.
2: In your struggle over sin. Trust the great commander's promise. He will surely come. Happening a long...